Hey, good morning, church family. Glad to be joining with you here online. Uh, we're getting ready to get into our sermon time, but I'm, I'm starting out, while this is new for a lot of us, watching and having church online, I want to remind people every week about this important social media stat, 22 minutes. And this is what social scientists tell us, the people that are related to the TED Talks, um, the importance of just communicating what you need to communicate online in just a period of 22 minutes. Now, that's not a normal sermon. To me, that's a devotion, not a sermon. Uh, so I will say this. I'm going to ask you to treat this not like normal online content. I'm going to ask you to sit down and participate in the, this next 45 minutes like it's a worship service. Do like you do at church. Get your Bible out there on your lap. Turn off all distractions. Uh, turn off the Put it on Do Not Disturb on your phone so you can just watch, if you're watching on your, online on your phone, uh, do everything you can to remove distractions for the next 45 minutes, and don't just be a consumer of online content today, but be a giver of your attention to the Word of God and ultimately to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you this morning, okay? All right, we're going to continue today in a sermon series uh, that I put started putting together in my mind Three weeks ago, when all this started going on around our world, I was hoping by the time we got to part three that this would be the last, but it's probably not going to work out that way. Uh, today is Palm Sunday. Next week is Easter Sunday. And so uh, we're going to be working out something maybe a little different for Easter and then see what happens if the ban is lifted. And Lord willing, we can come back to church together within the next few weeks. Okay? Um, We've been talking about the last couple weeks about the importance of the body of Christ doing what Jesus did and including those who live socially distanced all the time. What we're feeling in isolation, a lot of us right now, some people live that way every day, and those of us, of us who are more integrated in society don't even recognize those who are socially distance because of the way they're ostracized from us, even though we don't necessarily consciously uh, ostracize them. But they're alone, and no one notices them. Uh, but this week, I'm going to take a little different twist. I'm going to talk about social distancing and why maybe it is a good thing at times, okay? Uh, there's a lot of jokes and memes going around on the, online. Uh, that, uh, somebody sent me this said that this is how we might want to start doing. It's, it's, it's one of those dunk tanks where you throw the softball and hit it. So social distancing, baptistry, if you need to be baptized, maybe we can get one of those. Okay, no, we're not really going to do that. That's a joke. Okay. Um, for, for those of you who are artsy, I put this in for you. Follow me for quarantine craft ideas. All the empty toilet paper rolls. Ha <laughs> ha, funny. All right, so... And again, like some of this isn't funny, but sometimes you got to laugh. I mean, I know our world's going through a crisis right now, and I'm not making light of that. But some of these things, I mean, you just got to keep a smile on your face the best you can part of this time. Uh, so there's some things I've seen online that are pretty funny. Uh, people say, like, are you in the danger zone? Are you more susceptible to the dangers of the coronavirus than other elements of our society. What's the test for that? Well, here's one of the tests. It says the CDC has developed a simple test to determine if you are at risk for developing complications from the coronavirus. Please examine the following two items. Do you understand the connection between them? 
If your answer is yes, then you are in the at-risk category. Please self-isolate, okay? Now, for those probably under 35, you have no idea how these go together. And I'll just, you, this is the deal. You got to go back and you got to call somebody 35, 40 or older and ask them what a pencil has to do with a, a cassette tape. They'll be able to explain it to you, okay? All right, here's a little evangelical uh, humor from back in the 90s says, I'm so bored, I've been trying to get these two to tell me Bible stories for the past hour. All right, do you get that? Like, you get that in your homes? So that's, that's Bob and Larry. All right, I'll keep going. Maybe you didn't. Okay, here's a little test for you. This is funny. What, the first word you see here is where you are going in the month of April. If you're home with someone, tell them the first word that you see here as you look at this. The first word you see here is where you are going in the month of April. Like, nowhere, nowhere, part of the way down, absolutely nowhere. So uh, I hope you found that. I hope I didn't give you the answer before you found it, okay? Uh, all right, for the Star Wars nerds among us, myself being one, um, this phrase, take a moment and turn to greet your neighbor, and then comes September 2020, Obi-Wan says, now that's a phrase I haven't heard in a long time. Now, if you don't watch Star Wars, that doesn't make any sense to you, but that's from episode four. All right, I'm going to keep going. i got just a couple more. Don't turn me off. Stay with, stay with the sermon, okay? Um, little Hunger Games, all right? Maybe, maybe we'll get past Star Wars. Little Hunger Games humor here. This is how you feel. When you leave your family to go buy groceries and toilet paper, all right? Just Jennifer Lawrence there. Get it? Okay. All right. I like this one. This is how I feel. Quarantine has turned us all into dogs. We roam the house all day looking for food. We are told no if we get close to strangers, and we get really excited about car rides. Like, can we go out? Like, we're arguing, like, which of us gets to go to the store today? All right? So uh, we joke about this, but I do have something for you to get really excited about for a car ride here in just a moment. I'm going to share that with you. It has to do with Easter. Uh, this is probably what the new Easter baskets are going to look like in the upcoming week. All right? A little, little more somewhat funny humor. Okay? Uh, next week for Easter, if we were all coming to church, our Easter suits might look like this. But you know what? You're not going to need to dress like that for next Easter Sunday morning. What we're wanting to do is a drive-in Easter service in your car. Okay, we'll still be putting something online for those that don't want to come out, uh, but we received permission from the governor of West Virginia and our church in Tennessee, uh, Calvary Baptist Church has received permission from the governor's office in Tennessee, uh, from Bill Lee, to have a drive-in Easter service in the, in the parking lot, okay? So we're going to be getting more news out, the details about that, how we're going to do that and still follow the, the governor's uh, suggestions for social distancing. Uh, so those guidelines, we're still going to be following those. Don't freak out. We're not going to spread coronavirus. We're doing our part. Uh, but if this is something you want to be a part of, we're going to be giving you the details about that in the upcoming week. Okay. All right. Now let's get into the heart of the sermon. Okay. Just a little good news to start. Uh, now the real good news, the gospel according to Mark. We're going to be looking at the book of Mark here this morning, as well as from a couple of the other gospels. Uh, but when we say the gospel, it means the good news. 
A lot of times, that's gospel. It's gospel truth. Well, gospel has this idea, it's truth, but really the word gospel means good news. So I'm gonna share with you some good news today from the book of Mark. Now, I gotta tell you, the gospel of Mark uh, just Mark, the author himself, is one of my favorite New Testament authors. If The gospel itself may be my favorite gospel, and I'll tell you why. Because in my opinion, uh, the gospel of Mark, St. Mark, he's a lot like Larry the Cabled Guy. Do you remember him from like 10 years ago? He's a real big comedian guy. The guy, get her done. I mean, that was, that was a big thing in the South, right? Uh, get her done. Well, listen, the gospel of Mark is the get her done gospel uh, of the four. It moves the fastest. It's like half the size of the gospel of Luke. It just, it makes quick points. In fact, uh, in the the gospel of Mark, uh, one of his favorite words when he's writing to his Roman audience, and the Romans were a get-her-done society, okay? Um, He uses this word euthus 39 times. Euthus. It's a Greek word. It means immediately. Or in the King James Bible, it's straight away. Somebody did something straight away. They made made a direct line to make sure that that got done. It was done, boom, like that. I like that, okay? Why? Because if you're a a kind of a type A, get things done type of guy like me, um, man, that really appeals to you. He's writing to this get-her-done society. He just skips right over the pretty manger and the, the baby in the manger story. He just jumps right through that, and he gets right to Jesus' baptism, temptation, and then Jesus is just rolling out. He's got souls to save. He's got people to heal. He's got diseases to eradicate. He's got sermons to preach. At once, at once, at once. I'll give you some examples just from Mark chapter 1 and back-to-back-to-back verses. As Jesus is healing people, Mark says, at once, here's that word, at once, Euthus, immediately, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Very next verse. And immediately, he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, all right? So immediately after he's done a healing, now he's going to this guy's house right away. Now watch this. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told Jesus about her, all right? So Jesus is going to go heal uh, Peter's mother-in-law just right away, okay? It's over and over you see this. Almost every single chapter is immediately, 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 immediately. It's just boom, boom, boom. It's the action path. It's the action thriller gospel. Just boom, 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 get right to the point. So I like that. That appeals to me. But along the way, Mark also takes time to slow it down. And he emphasizes things that Jesus does methodically, slowly, intentionally, and privately. That's what I want to focus on a little bit this morning. Not the go, 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 go. But the slow, 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 slow. Because that's the pace that we need to be in right now. And some of us, if you're like me and you're watching online and you're a go-getter, you're struggling with those reins being pulled back right now. You want to go out and get things done. I think God's given us an opportunity here. And I think Mark and the other gospel writers give us the example of Jesus about how we 
can take advantage of this opportunity that God has given us right now. And watch what Jesus does here in Mark chapter 1. Right after all the healings, the verses that I read earlier, Jesus rose very early in the morning, Mark 1, verse 35, while it was still dark. And he departed, and he went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. He got out all by himself. And Simon, that is Peter, and those who were with him, those, those other three, they searched for Jesus. Now, it took him some while to, uh, a while to find him. Why? Because Jesus was in a desert place. Like, he was hiding out. He was getting some alone time. And they found him, and they said to him, everyone is looking to you. Everyone is looking for you. Like, everybody wants a miracle right now. And watch how Jesus replies. He says, okay, let us go on to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Now, it's not just coming out as the Messiah. I think it's much more. The reason I came way out here, the reason I came out here in this desolate place is because I needed to prepare myself for going on to the next town. You see, sometimes we have to come out before we can go in. And if you're a go-getter like myself, if you're just really driven, sometimes you don't ever want to come out and take a break. But Jesus sees the importance of that. And as his fame spreads, the more we see him take a little time out. Now, as the report, Luke writes this, is the report about him went abroad, that he's just healing every person that he comes into contact with. And great crowds are gathering to hear them, him and to be healed of their infirmities. This man, everyone he's coming in contact with, he's changing their physical lives, and many of them, their spiritual lives. But, next verse, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Now, these aren't the verses that we hear about the most in the Bible. We hear about Jesus' miracles and his sermons that he teaches, but there's a major portion of his life where Jesus is just sitting his waking hours by himself. I want to ask you a question this morning. There, there's a big national uh, advertisement that was going around, a public service announcement that was going around a few years ago. It was called Put It Down. And what they found is a lot of times when people were driving, they were being distracted by their cell phones while they were driving. It was causing accidents. So they started passing laws telling people you couldn't be holding your phone and texting while you were driving. And so they put out this, this national uh, commercial telling people to put it down. Focus on your driving. I, my question to you is this. How often do you put it down for reasons other than driving? How long has it been since you disengaged from everyone and everything for just four hours? I'll ask that question again. How long has it been since you have disengaged from everyone and everything for just four hours. We see Jesus doing this 
just going away and being gone all afternoon, sending people home at noon, and they don't find him again until evening. How long has it been since you have not answered a text, replied to an email, answered a phone call, initiated some kind of social media interaction? How long has it been since you disengaged from all social media for just four hours? How long has it been? Do you notice the awkwardness of that pause just now? Just as I delay in delivering this sermon, the fact that we just don't go on right away, it makes us feel uncomfortable. When I was just looking down at my notes for a moment, you probably felt awkward as if maybe I forgot my next line. Maybe it looked like I wasn't prepared. And a lot of times we know that people think that when we disengage, and so it affects the way that we live our lives. We always feel this anxiety about getting back to people immediately as soon as they send in the text to our phones. How long has it been since you have disengaged for at least four hours? See, this is the danger of the social media isolation that we're in right now. We become addicted to it. We don't know how to function without it. I've got a big concern right now for when this ban is lifted, will we even be the same culture again? Will we know how to interact, to give a handshake or a hug, to greet one another at church? How are we going to interact with each other when these days are behind us? See, the reality of it is this. Technology is keeping us from ever disengaging from the world around us. And I'll be honest with you. Got self-confession. I am the chief of sinners. I was uh, reading a book recently because I knew I needed it before any of this ever happened. It's called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You by a guy named Tony Reinke. And I want to share some of the things that he shares in this book. He, he's, he's a Christian, and he talks about uh, a number of ways in which our cell phones can change us. And my, my concern right now, and this is why I share it with my church family this morning, is that we are, it's possible, it's very possible that we as a nation and as a world are being changed rapidly now because of the social isolation we're going through. Even before this event, worldwide event, took place, the average American checked their cell phone 81,500 times per year. I know we don't check our Bibles nearly that often. If you break that down, you do the math, math that's 15 checks per waking hour. 
You see, what these are doing to us, it gives us a desire for solitude in public. Have you ever noticed that? People are out in public and they're all the time on their phones. But then what happens when we get home? We're never alone in private because we've always got this attached to us. It helps us or leads us to avoid doing work. It distracts us. Are you like me? You sit down, you say, I'm going to work on this project, but you keep getting calls and texts and calls and texts. And so you don't get your work done. Or you don't interact with your family when they're talking with you because you're too busy texting or watching videos online. And it definitely takes away from our time with the Lord. Another thing that it does is it gives us no escape from something I call VDPs. VDPs. It, it stands for very draining people. These are people that cause anxiety in our life. And, and, and what social media does and texts, if they've got your number, it gives you no break from these people who literally drain the life out of you. And the funny part is, is when I say VDPs, like you know exactly who I'm talking about in your life right now. There are certain images that come to your mind. You're like, yeah, it's this person, it's that person. They drain me. You, you see a text come in from them, and you're like, oh, and we never get a break. We can't get any separation from that. Another way that cell phones change us, it, it, it hampers our ability to create and contemplate because innovation by itself only occurs with a wandering mind. Sometimes we just need to sit down and think about nothing. Now, all the teenage guys in the room are probably looking at their moms right now and say, see, mom, I've been telling you, right? But it, it, it's true. Like, a big part of mental health is just sitting around thinking about nothing. My wife will come down all the time, and she'll say, what are you doing? I'll say, nothing. Well, what are you thinking about? Nothing. She'll like, you can't. you got to be thinking about something. No, really, I don't. I mean, a lot of times, that's why men like to watch those sci-fi movies or those action-adventure movies. We just want some mindless entertainment. And we're not even paying attention to it, really. We want something that we don't have to pay attention to for a while. Why? Because our minds need to shut down and think about what? Nothing. But here's what's happening. When we turn the TV off and we're even more intentional about thinking about nothing, that's when our mind starts to innovate and create and thinking about how to solve problems. Like, oh, here's something I've been dealing with. Here's how I can fix it. It's in these times that I really believe that God speaks to us. Um, I was a psychology major undergrad, and there's certain aspects of the brain that's like the sciences and mathematics and uh, this the technical part of life. But the other side of the brain, the left side of the brain, this is where we get music and creativity and innovation. And I think a lot of times we spend too much of our minds thinking about doing and producing instead of innovating and creating. Music helps you unlock certain aspects of your mind that you'll never have otherwise. Meditation, when we sit and meditate and when we actually sing out loud, things happen in the brain that actually it, it starts to heal itself if it's been damaged. It allows the brain to rest and rejuvenate because we disengage from the world and we engage in another side of our brain. There's other ways that our phones are changing us. Um, there, there's this word FOMO. 
All right? I didn't know what this was until I read this book. It's in the book. My, my wife said about it the other day that, that I have FOMO. I'm like, what do you mean I've got FOMO? It's fear of missing out. It's fear of missing out. Man, teenagers, I can be an overgrown teenager sometimes. Teenagers deal with this. This is why I like doing youth ministry back in the day because I'm a lot like a teenager, still am. It's just like you always want to go and be with everybody and have people over the house and, and go have lunch with people all the time and find out this news. And then when that meeting's over, immediately you check Facebook or Instagram or see what's going on on there or the latest TikTok video. You, you're all the time looking at those things. Why? Because you're afraid you're going to miss out on something that was really cool. And there, there's always this desire to keep up with the new. And what that does is it creates anxiety. Like if you go 30 minutes, man, I haven't checked Facebook in 30 minutes. Man, I haven't checked my email in 30 minutes. Man, I haven't checked my, my text in the last 15 minutes. It creates an anxiety. And let me tell you what this is. Here's the fight that's going on in your mind. It's this constantly want to keep up with the new. Here's the thing about the word contemporary. At its root, it's temporary. And so what we do is we focus on temporary things instead of eternal things. We focus on things that really aren't going to matter in 48 hours versus things that are going to matter in 48 years. Or for that matter, 4,800 years. And we're always a slave to the new instead of thinking about the eternal, the temporary versus the forever. So as I was going, working my way through this book, and listen, if you struggle with it, get Ryan Key's book. It's really good, okay? And I, I just started doing some self-contemplation here, and I started thinking, okay, why don't I, Steve Willis, social distance anymore than I do? And th these are the answers I came up with, just self-confession now. I mean, the Bible says, confess your sins to one another. I'm giving you mine, okay? And if you want to help me stay accountable in this, I'm okay with that. I really am. I need it. The number one reason I don't social distance, I'm not saying true about anybody else, but if you relate to this, great. The number one reason I don't social distance is because I've got this crazy drive for productivity. I've always got to be going. I've always got to be producing something. I've always got to be accomplishing something. Man, my, I, I just fill up my calendar. If it, if it, I do every 15 minutes, I've got something scheduled. And I back that off because I used to do every five. And I just have to watch that, this constant drive I have to produce and be successful. Number two, it's because in my mind, I'll, oftentimes, people are big and God is small. You see, God's not going to come down and just knock on my door or hammer or complain to me if I don't spend time with him. But man, if there's certain people in my life that if I don't respond to their text in a matter of 10 minutes, they're writing me or calling as if there must be something wrong. Like, are you in the ER? Like, what's going on? How come you haven't gotten back to me in the last three hours? I mean, and so what I do is I want to meet those people's needs. In a way, as a pastor, like, I'm the employee of a thousand some people, right? People want a piece of my time. And, but here's the thing, man. I need to be spending time with God because if I'm not spending time with God, I'm not going to effectively be able to spend time with them. I'm not going to be much help to them at all. And so this is what I found. And number three is that oftentimes I draw my identity from human idols. I want people's approval. I want people to like me. I want people to like my text. So there, there, there are things that I struggle with when really I should just be secure in my relationship with Jesus. 
And then finally, number one reason why I think I don't social distance anymore than I do is because I really have no accountability. I had somebody tell me when I started in ministry that, man, if you're good with the three B's, you can do anything you want to in ministry. The three B's. Butts, baptisms, and budget. Butts, baptism, budget. If the attendance numbers are good, if the people are coming into the pews, if people are getting baptized and getting saved, and if we're able to pay our bills, nobody's going to bother you. And let me tell you what, by and large, I think that's true a lot of times with pastors is they look at butts, baptisms, budgets, and those are the people that we say are successful in ministry that are doing well in those three areas. But here's the things, my friend, listen, you can, do, you can excel in all three of those areas and completely miss out on a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, he's there, but he's distant. And so here's the thing, like, we have accountability for those three things, the three Bs that I talked about earlier. But let me tell you what, rarely does anybody come to me and, and ask, how much time did you spend in prayer this week? People aren't measuring how much time I'm spending in the word. And so this is something that I'm, I'm sharing with my leaders is I've got to right up front carve out five to 10 hours of my week as a pastor, not just for sermon preparation, but to actually for spiritual, personal development, time with Jesus. I've got to carve out that time. And here's my basis for doing so. This isn't some kind of psychobabble. It isn't going back to something that I learned in undergrad or this is what it goes back to. It's what I learned from the Gospels. It's what we learned from Jesus. I, I, I went through the Gospels this week, and I, I found that at least, at least, my friends, eight examples or eight reasons why Jesus would social distance from others. And it is all through the Gospels. If you read through there, you can't miss it. These things don't come to our mind. We don't think a lot about Jesus getting alone and by himself. But let me tell you what, this man many times was a loner. And the number one reason I want to share with you this morning why we need to do social distance is the number one reason why Jesus socially distanced himself from others at times. And it was to spend time with his father. Let me tell you what, if Jesus needed to spend time with his father, Jesus who was never separated by sin from a relationship with his heavenly father, the Trinity was always three in one, always in communion with each other. But even though that was true, he took time to spend time with his daddy. This is important to him. You see it over and over again. I'm just going to share with you a few it says, and after Jesus had dismissed the crowd, it's Sunday afternoon, everybody's going home from church, right? He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And then when evening came, he was still there alone. Now, I want you to think about that. He just did his teaching time. They sent everybody home during the heat of the day, right around noon, one o'clock. And when evening came, he was still alone. That's why I asked the question earlier. I asked you again, when is the last time you've done like Jesus here and spent at least four hours disengaged from the rest of the world around you? And I realize like right now might be hard because you're cooped up in the house with five crazy kids or whatever. Uh, try to get an hour, 
If you're having another adult in the house with you, maybe they can watch the kids. Put on a video. Find some time to get alone. That's a real danger right now when everybody's just sequestered in their homes. Are you ever getting time alone with God? See it again in the Gospel of Mark. It said after he had taken leave of being around the crowds, he went up on the mountain to pray. Man, this is something I just love. Let me tell you what. God has put this in my soul. He's put it in my wife's soul. Nothing rejuvenates me more than getting out on a mountain stream or climbing to a real high vista out in the wilderness and just being alone, me and God. It worked for Jesus. It worked for you. When's the last time you took four hours to just disengage and get alone with God? When's the last time you took just one hour? Second reason I found that Jesus socially distanced himself from others is to grieve a a lost loved one. It's totally legit. His cousin, John the Baptist, had been taken to prison by Herod, and then he was beheaded there. And his head was brought on a platter and given to a girl, and she brought it to his mother. It's a tragic death. And his disciples came back and took the body and buried John the Baptist, and then they went and told Jesus. And now when Jesus heard this, watched, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Here's what I want you to see from this, like, People won't naturally leave you alone. You have to be intentional about making that happen. And what Jesus found is the only way I'm going to get away from these people is I get in a boat, row out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee by myself, and say, stay away from me. Now, a lot of times we don't think about Jesus that way, do we? But when he was in the human flesh, okay, when he was tied to a flesh like we are, okay, He found the need to say, man, I've got to get some alone time here. I've got to figure this out for my own own mental health. Jesus did this, my friends. It's not a sign of weakness for there there was never anybody stronger than Jesus. But he made time to get out by himself. For some of you, now the men are about ready to say amen. For some of you guys, that means you need to get out on a fishing boat on a stream somewhere, just have time with you and the Lord and Mr. Fish. And for some of you ladies, it might need, mean you need to go out for a walk all by yourself and disappear and tell the husband you'll be back in 15 minutes and come back later at 6 p.m. that night, all right? No, I'm just kidding. Don't lie. But <laughs> just, <laughs> just disappear. I remember my wife, you'd say, I'm going to Walmart, and she'd be gone three hours, all right? So now I understand it, looking back when the kids were little. Just, what's your boat? That's my question. What is your boat? What's your boat? Where's the place that you go to to get away from all the people that are following you around on foot? You need that. Moms that are home right now, let me. I know now it's a tough time. You're probably going crazy. Try to find some way to get you a boat. Find your lifeline. Number three reason I found that Jesus socially distanced was to spend time with his inner inner circle. And this is a great 
opportunity we have right now is you've got your inner circle, your family, a lot of you have them at home. Take advantage of this time. We see Jesus doing it. After six days, they were on a hike with all the disciples. He just takes Peter, James, and John and led them up to a high mountain just by themselves, just four of us. Come on, boys. We're going to the hills. This is something I love to do with the staff. Let's just get away. Let's go to the mountains. We'll just spend time together, get to know each other better, spend some time with the Lord. Number four, to get some rest. This is this physical reality. We need this. He says to his disciples, come away by yourselves to a desolate place, and let's just rest for a while. Man, there's nothing wrong with this. In the United States, we are the least rested nation in the world. Did you know that? We take less vacation. We take less time off. We take less days off than any other first world, as we would say, developed nation in the world, okay? We don't value rest. I'm, again, king of sinners here, take time. Listen, if Jesus is telling his disciples, sometimes you gotta get away, sometimes you gotta take away, sometimes you gotta put away, sometimes you got to rest, why? Because many are coming and going, and these guys didn't have time to eat. Do you ever get so caught up like that? Man, I do it all the time. I look at my watch, it's 2 o'clock. I haven't even had time to eat lunch. I'm just answering so many calls, texts, emails, addressing, putting out this fire, helping this family with this or whatever. No leisure even to eat. And so what they do? Again, they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. We're getting out of here. Take a break. Breathe. I know it's a four-letter word in America. Rest. Rest. Number five reason why Jesus socially distanced was to prepare to teach. Man, I had a great opportunity to talk to some leaders this week about just how they're doing small groups or interacting with people, uh, this is something that, that I need to do just as a pastor, but we all need to do it, just even if we're just teaching our children. Take some time away. Now, what happened is Jesus was praying alone, Luke chapter 9, verse 18. The disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? Now, why did he lead out with this question, okay? He was praying, and he's about ready to lead these guys to recognize something that's really important, which is he is the Messiah sent from God to save the sins of the world, okay? That's who he is, and he's gonna, this is one of the most important conversations he's ever going to have with his disciples, okay? But before he has that conversation, before he delivers that sermon, before he leads that small group, what he does here is he says, I'm going to go aside and I'm going to pray alone. Just going to breathe. I'm going to be alone and I'm going to prepare to teach God's word. But in order to do that adequately, listen, even Jesus had to spend time in preparation. Spend time alone in the Word of God before you teach it to someone else. Number six, to make leadership decisions. Right before Jesus made his decision, who are going to be my 12 men that I select to go out and change the world forever? 
says, in these days, he went out to the mountain and prayed. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. All night long. And when day came, he called his disciples. He had a lot of disciples, but he chose from among them 12 whom he named the apostles. These were the 12. He prayed on that decision all night long. Listen, this, is, this, this just blows me out of the water. Here's Jesus, who's omniscient, who knows the future, but yet even he, before he made one of the most important leadership decisions of his life, he took time to pray, not for five minutes, not for five hours, but all night long. How important it must be for us to spend time in prayer before we make significant decisions. So many times we just, boom, 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 boom. When you're like me, you just, boom, boom, boom. You want to make decisions all the time. Listen, this is what I just have to do. Pull in those reins, and I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to contemplate. I'm going to create. I'm going to innovate. And I'm going to think, like, what, Lord, give me wisdom. What is the best way to move forward in this situation? Number seven is to deal with trials. And for a lot of us during this time right now, we're struggling a little bit. This is a trial we're going through. We're dealing with this separation anxiety from our friends and family. We need to spend time in prayer. This was ever most true when Jesus was preparing to go to the cross. And he takes his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is just less than a mile from where he's going to be crucified. And he says to his disciples, you just sit here while I go over here and pray. Final reason I'm going to share with you today why Jesus social distance and why we should too is to be an example for others. Life principles are caught, not taught. Now, I guarantee that if I would poll every adult watching today, every single one of you, I'd get 100% response on this. Do you want your children and your grandchildren to be people of prayer? I'll ask it again. Do you want your children and your grandchildren and even your great-grandchildren, do you want them to be people of prayer? I would ask our teenagers that are watching right now and the kids, do you want your friends to be people of prayer? Well, let me share you this principle. Life principles are caught, not taught. You can tell people they need to pray, but until they see you modeling a certain behavior, they're not gonna know what it looks like. Life principles are caught, not taught. Every psychological study will tell you this. Life principles are caught, not taught. We teach them, but people have to see what it looks like in our everyday lives. We see this happen with Jesus here. Watch what happens. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, what caused the disciple to say to Jesus, hey, will you teach me how to pray? It's because they saw Jesus praying. Now, listen, I, I want to make sure I, I make this clear. We don't want to pray so that other people will see our acts of righteousness and like the Pharisees, people say, man, look how godly Steve is. Look how godly uh, Janet is. We don't, we don't want to do that. 
Okay, that can't be the motive of our heart. But I'm just telling you, in reality, life principles are caught, not taught. Whatever you want other people around you doing, you have to model that behavior for them. Do you want your kids and your grandkids and your friends to be people of prayer? Then you pray. If you want them to have a powerful prayer life, then you develop a powerful prayer life. Okay, let's wrap this up for today. Takeaways of the day. Number one, this is probably the most important thing I'm going to tell you all day. There are certain aspects of God that you will never know until you are alone with him. I'll say it again. There are certain aspects of God that you will never know until you are alone with him. I love being with my church family. I miss worshiping with a body of believers. But let me tell you what, some of the most precious times that I've had over these last few weeks are just sitting out on my deck by myself, just talking to God. And I'm just here to tell you one more time, there are certain aspects of God, certain things that you can only know about him And you'll never know about him until you're alone with him. Please take time to do that. Number two, take advantage of this unique time that has been given to us. And let's engage with God by disengaging disengaging with others. A lot of us are home from work. We don't have the demands that we do in our normal everyday lives. Listen, Listen, now's the time to formulate new habits that can carry you on. Listen, I said earlier, listen to what I'm, listen to what I'm saying. I said earlier, here's my concern with America is that we're going to get addicted to social media because all we do is that all the way that we're interacting with the world around us is through these devices right here. Let me tell you what, the opposite can happen if the people of God will just utilize this time to actually engage with God in ways that they never have before because God has given you the opportunity and the time right now like you haven't had in many years. So I just want to encourage you, God, listen, I know this is a terrible thing, and I want it to go away tomorrow. I'm sorry that people are in the hospitals. I'm sorry that people's lives are at risk. But let me tell you what, I am embracing this as an opportunity right now for me to get closer to Jesus, and I want to exhort you to do the same. You may never have another opportunity to forge spiritual life skills like you have in this moment. So I encourage you to do so. Number three, do engage others via social media, but do not use social media to pass your time away. Be intentional both ways. What do I mean by that? Like right now, about the only way that we can stay in contact with people is to call them or write them or get on some kind of Zoom meeting with them, okay? So be intentional about engaging with your small groups. Be intentional about engaging with your friends via social media. Be intentional about that, okay? But also be intentional about not getting bored and just scrolling through social media all day. 
Don't use your time like that. It's the temporary versus the eternal. Develop it. Play the guitar. Work on your piano skills. Make a craft. Have a discussion with a family member. Listen to some styles of music that you've never listened to before. Expand your horizons during this time. But don't spend all day, every day, listen to the news media just spinning out of control. Invest your time in eternal ways and ways that will intentionally develop you as a better person. And then finally, number four. Listen, if Jesus needed disengagement, then we must need it all the more. Jesus was never hampered by sin. Jesus never had to confess his sins to his father. Jesus always had perspective. Jesus was the strongest of the strong. He was the leader of all leaders. He was the most secure person in the history of the world because he knew who he was. He had no idols of the heart. But yet, if Jesus needed disengagement, then we must need it all the more. Then you must need it all the more. And I'm just telling you for me, I need him now more than ever. And I pray that he's speaking to your heart right now, just drawing you to himself, that you might know him more, that you might love him more, and that you might worship him more.